I'd like to take you back to your childhood for a moment. Do you remember when you were playing with your favorite ball in your yard and how much joy it brought to you? But what happened when that ball went over the fence or into the bushes or some hard to reach place? I bet you were feeling maybe anger or sadness or even frustration. And what extremes did you go through just to get possession of that ball again? We're going to explore how you may be reliving the experience with your money today on Fin Wisdom. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Fin Wisdom. I'm your host, Joel, and I'm very excited to welcome you to our very first installment of the podcast. Today's episode is aptly named Obsessions with Possessions. So let's go back to our story about that ball, but let's change the scenario ever so slightly. Let's say you and a few of your childhood friends were walking down the street and you come across a ball just sitting there in someone's trash, waiting to be hauled away for garbage. And as a group, you and your pals decide to take this newfound ball that was intended for trash as an opportunity to go and play with it in a nearby open lot. You and your buddies start playing a game using the ball. And everyone is having a blast. Until one of your friends kicks the ball over a relatively high fence that lies at the edge of the field and into the trees that sits beyond a wide stream. But the thing is, it may take the next hour or two and then some to possibly gain possession of this ball. The question is... Would any of you trouble yourselves over a ball that was destined for garbage dump? Or does everyone just reflect on the good time just experienced and move on? Now, unless there is a strong consensus to do so, I'm guessing that the odds are you and your friends seek out the next great adventure and leave that ball right where it is because it has no further value than the fun it offered at that moment. Now let's return to the original story and modify the scenario. Your parents bought you that ball as a special gift just for you. Maybe it's given as a reward for completing your chores or some other good deed done. And you invite your friends over to play with your brand new ball. Everyone is having a great time until, just as in the previous story, one of your friends accidentally kicks that ball over a similar fence into similar trees across a similarly wide stream. I'm betting you will take an hour or whatever it takes to get that ball back because that ball is your ball. It was a present for you, right? And that sense of ownership lends itself to a psychological influence called the endowment effect in which we give an increased value to ideas and items that we attach greater ownership. In other words, we have a stronger desire and emotion to hold on to things we possess. And if you think this just happens in your childhood with your toys, here are a few examples where you might witness the same effect today. It's like that seat in a classroom or in a conference room or even in your own family room. Every time you return to that location, is there a particular chair that you gravitate to? You've unofficially assigned that seat as yours. In fact, this can even happen in a temporary situation such as the doctor's office. Ever get up to go to the bathroom and then you return and someone is now sitting in the same spot you temporarily left? Tell me, how do you feel when you come back to find someone sitting in your seat? 
Why should it bother you? You don't own that seat in the doctor's office or the one in that conference room or the one in that classroom. This not only occurs with tangible objects, but ideas too. Ever have an ingenious idea that you were waiting to spring on your boss on the next one-on-one meeting? But a day before, during a conference call, someone else shares a similar idea that your boss and colleagues love. And that person gets all the credit, not you. Are you feeling a little angry and mad at the person who had the same idea? Do you feel it was stolen from you? Well, why not? It was your idea, right? But you really don't own that idea until it's been shared more pronouncedly. Anyone could have come to the same conclusions and concepts as you did, but you are upset because of the increased value to your own idea and proposal versus someone else's. I'd like to leave you with one other example relating to a fictitious tale, one I think many are familiar with. Remember the famous books and movies of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings? Remember Smeagol, who was corrupted by the ring and transformed into that loathing creature named Gollum? Think about his story. He finds a magical ring. He did not forge it out of metal himself. He did not purchase it. He did not earn it, although he thinks he does. He's totally obsessed with possession. Even calls the ring, quote, my precious. If that is not the endowment effect at its best, I don't know what is. Talk about actions leading to destructive behavior and madness when you empower objects you feel you own. Okay, by now you may be asking yourself, how does this impact my personal finances? Stay tuned after this break from our sponsor to find out. So, what do you think about this background music? It's nice, right? This is the part of the podcast where I would be discussing the benefits of my sponsor's products or services. But alas, it's my first series, folks, and only a handful of listeners so far. So I have no sponsor yet. However, I'm hopeful for the future to swap out this spot. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. And if you, your organization, or someone else you know may benefit from sponsorship, please visit finwisdom.com and let me know. That's finwisdom, F-I-N-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. In the interim, I thought you might find this a good break in case you needed to step away or focus your attention briefly on another matter. Welcome back to Obsessions with Possessions. Let's visit some supporting research around the endowment effect. There is an often referred to study conducted by some of my favorite behavioralists. In 1990, a study was undertaken by Daniel Kahneman, Jack Nash, and Richard Thaler where college students were willing participants in the hypothetical buying and selling of coffee mugs. They were nice mugs, but they did not have any unique characteristics either. Three groups were established. The first group was given ordinary ceramic mugs as, quote, gifts, and then asked to sell them at a price ranging from $2 to $9.25. A separate group of students were asked to purchase those mugs to determine the price someone was willing to pay for one. And then there was a third group, which was given the choice of a mug or money. So here's the interesting outcome of this experiment. Those who were not in possession of a mug were willing to pay an average of $3, but those who received their mug that was gifted to them valued them at a higher price. 
in fact, a much higher price. On average, they were willing to depart with their precious mug for over $7 each. The point is, once a sense of ownership of the mug was established by the participants, the compensation they saw for the mug was approximately twice as high as the amount others were willing to pay to acquire the same exact object. You would think it was irrational to not sell something that was given to you for free, but that is the power of the endowment effect. That is why, going back to the beginning of our story today, you are going to spend the rest of your day to obtain possession of that ball, regardless of the obstacles. As a side note, another study conducted in 2000 by Ziv Karman and Dan Ariali, Dan, by the way, is one of my favorites, found that participants in an experiment involving the trading of hypothetical NCAA Final Four tickets sold at a price of 14 times higher when participants, quote, owned the tickets for sale in comparison for the price others were willing to pay. If this sounds a little hard to swallow, or if you were telling yourself that you could overcome these influences, I'd like the opportunity to reflect on a few situations in your own life that may get short-circuited by the same behavioral risk when it comes to financial decision-making. Let's start with the concept of the money-back guarantee or free trial offer on a product or service. First off, these terms make you feel less adverse to a purchase as the risk of making a poor decision is minimized. But once you've acquired that product or service, you build a sense of ownership and value to it, which makes it tough to return because the longer you have it in your possession, the less likely you are of returning it, even if you have a level of dissatisfaction. Or how about this one? Have you ever been in the market for a new car? Maybe you had a specific model and color in mind. Let's say as an example, you were thinking of purchasing this year's model in red and without all the bells and whistles to reduce the cost and yet satisfy your needs. So you head over to the dealership, but the particular model you seek is not in stock. But hey, no problem. They can order the vehicle you are asking for but one of the reasons you went to the showroom is to take a test drive. The salesperson can give you the keys of a similar model that is sitting in the lot today so you can get a feel for the car. It's not the color you were seeking, it's blue. It also has many add-ons that you weren't looking for, such as the latest digital technology, the deluxe sunroof, all passenger heated seats, upscale stereo system, etc. None of what you were seeking to obtain in the model you plan to order. This is just a test drive to give you a feel for how the car handles. So you hop in, take your first spin, you get comfortable, it drives well, and before you know it, positive inferences kick in. You start taking emotional possession of it, and the dealer is counting on the endowment effect to increase the probability that you buy that car today to close the deal instead of ordering the one you have to wait to receive several weeks from now. If you've been in this situation, tell me, how do you feel after you complete the desk drive and start walking back into the dealership lobby when in the corner of your eye you spot another potential buyer looking over the same car in the lot? You kind of feel that ownership, right? You start feeling like they're looking at your car. This is kind of like that possession of the seat in the conference room mentioned earlier, right? And if you think sitting at home all day reduces your chances of this behavioral risk, think again. Consider today's technology. 
Let's say you are shopping for a new TV or new clothes to wear and the seller has augmented reality option or AR option for short. This technology allows you to see what that TV will look like right in your living room or how that outfit will look on you without stepping into a fitting room to try it on. This also falls into another concept called nudging, but we'll save that topic for another episode. And if you are someone who maintains your own investment portfolio, I'm guessing you might have a media darling or two that are heavily weighted in your stock lineup. Those are stocks that may have received frequent and favorable attention in news media at one point or another. They were at the time and still may be ideal investments. But under the influence of the endowment effect, there is a risk that you are essentially overvaluing the worth of those stocks and have the potential of hanging onto a position perhaps longer than you should. The mere fact of ownership creates a psychological bias that those shares are worth more than other investment options. There are many more examples out there, but I'm hoping that at this point you can recognize how this behavior affects your decision making when it comes to managing your money. The question is, what can we do about it? Some helpful tips coming your way when we return after word from our sponsor. Hear that background music again? And unfortunately, the situation has not changed since the first sponsor break. But I would like to remind you to visit finwisdom.com and subscribe if you have not done so already. That's F-I-N-W-I-Z-D-O-M. This podcast series is or soon will be available on many of the popular platforms where you may already listen to podcast streaming. So where do we go from here? How do we short-circuit the endowment effect? There's no easy answer, but here are five Jedi mind tricks you can play on yourself to potentially reduce the impact. One. Let's start with awareness. For anyone who is familiar with or has practiced mindfulness, you have gone through the process of viewing yourself from outside in. It's also a desirable mental state that can help you overcome the power of the endowment effect. Mindfulness and meditation can potentially help you let go of the personal value of giving something and reduce its influence on you. Two. Some creative thinking wouldn't hurt either. When you need to make financial decisions about savings, investing, borrowing, or even expenses, imagining they are not yours can weaken their emotional influences. How easy is it and confident we feel when we give friends and family advice, but ask yourself, how effective are you at following the same advice you would give others in a similar situation? Do you know an expert in a given field that has told you to stay the course, but later learned they themselves did not? And I'll be honest, despite all that I know about behavior and money, I find myself falling into the same psychological traps as you do, even when I see it happening. Three. Here's another idea. Take out a notepad, or what I like to do is use a note-taking app on my smartphone. List the purpose and potential benefits relating to the possession you are contemplating of financial decision, but go beyond the pros and the cons. Change those cons to consider two other facets of the decision-making process. The first column, write why at the top. This is where you write down what does this solve for. And in the second column at the top, write alternatives slash consequences. In this column, write down any options that can satisfy the same need or intent 
based on your current situation or what you will be giving up if you maintain this possession. This exercise narrows the gap between the value we have given to something versus its value in terms of its true benefit. This will help improve your ability to compare the value to those items you don't own. Four. When it comes to our money, we are often swayed by the ownership of investments or items when we have forged emotional connections. A variation to the comms comparison just mentioned is to do the homework assignment all over again. I know, it's extra time and effort. But what I mean by this is to go through the financial decision process as if you do not own the item in question to reduce biases. For example, let's say you have an investment you are deciding whether to keep or sell. Take the approach as if you don't have that need or want in your possession today. This helps you hit the reset button to establish the worth of an investment today and potential for the future versus looking through a rearview mirror and contemplating the value you reap from owning it up to this point. 5. Last but far from least, another option and methodology is to reduce the psychological roadblocks we build that prevent us from taking the appropriate action. This relates to opposing forces of motivators versus demotivators and our perceptions and aptitude to take action that leads to change. <laughs> I know that was a mouthful, so let me explain with an example. I'll use the desire to own a new home. To trigger this aspiration, you've apparently built a list of welcoming outcomes that would result from owning a new home. Could be from discussions with your significant other or growing family needs. Maybe it is more desirable neighborhood job opportunities, etc. Regardless, we get excited by the idea of a positive change in our lives. You may even go online and start perusing available homes. Then, what do we do? We visualize ourselves living in those homes and it further drives our motivation. But here is where the endowment effect takes hold and we start creating demotivators that in turn inflate the value of staying in your current residence and creates the perception that taking action is too hard. This includes the selling of an existing home, the possibility of having to shop for and apply for a mortgage, the labor and stress associated with moving, the unfamiliarity of a new community, and you will even sabotage your own pursuits by finding fault with each new home you consider. The barriers continue to rise, adding pain and fear and denial into the decision-making process, and soon it becomes easier to justify the home you are in today because the alternatives seem very hard to do. To enable a more balanced decision, first become more knowledgeable about those demotivators. Take the mystery out of the what-ifs, and they'll weaken their hold on you. This should help you make clear decisions when comparing the pros and cons of your decisions. By the way, another obstacle that may impede you is the overvaluing of your own home, making it less marketable. There are other similar scenarios where this technique may help you, which include the starting of a new business, maybe you're contemplating a puppy for the family, dedicating time to a new hobby, exploring volunteer work, or considering a new career opportunity. By now, you may recognize there is a common theme as part of the solution, and that's distancing yourself from ownership. It's one of the best ways to reduce the endowment effect and its power over you. So the next time your ball goes over the fence and in a place that makes it difficult to repossess it, 
or will require a great deal of energy to maintain it, think to yourself, am I placing too much value on that object? Maybe it's time you distance yourself from that ball. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found this episode entertaining, but even more important, that you took away some ideas on how to improve the decisions you make with your money. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share Fin Wisdom with your family, your friends, or anyone you know who could benefit from a deeper understanding of financial literacy. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.